both were hurting churches. And uh, they had gone through some pretty tough situations. And God's brought a lot of hurting people here, um, you know, for healing. And to, it's been miraculous what God does. And, uh, you know, um, love makes the difference. It really does. Love makes the difference. And, you know, it's great to have awesome worship. And we've got an awesome worship team here and Chuck. And, and uh, we has done a great job leading the worship ministry. And Carrie has oversaw all of our administration stuff and finances and does a tremendous job, Kathy, with children. And, uh, you know, the, uh, Stevie's doing a great job. You know, last week they had like 41 teenagers. Uh, so... Yeah, they're going to be bugging me about building them a room here pretty soon. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, amen. So, but, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's, it's just an incredible thing that out of all the great staff and team that we have, it's love that makes the difference. It really is. And it's the love of Christ that's made the difference for us. So thank you. Uh, Isaiah, so we're talking about the word of the Lord and um, you know, there is so much distress in the world right now. Um, one of the things that they teach, and, and, uh, and I think we can all relate to this, uh, uh, is a term that they use in psychology, and I preached it here before, and I am, look, I'm not a psychologist, so I'm not trying to water down anything, but it's called liminal space. And in psychology, what they teach is, is that in liminal space, what happens is you get into a place in your life where it's painful to go forward and it's painful to go backwards, okay? It's like, you know, we call it being caught between a rock and a hard place, right? So in a liminal space, you feel squeezed. You know, it's been really, I'm sure for you guys, you know, because we're creatures of habit, all of us are, that because our habits have kind of been turned topsy-turvy, now, things have changed in our life, the way we do things, the way we think about things. I mean, I love going to restaurants, but I could live without going to restaurants. I mean, I've learned to live without it. You, you have too. I mean, it's nice to go. Uh, before the pandemic, we were going all the time, man. It's party down, meetings at restaurants. And so anyways, my point with that is, is that so things have changed. Now, what happens is that you're in a place in your life where it's, it's really difficult because things that really maybe meant a lot to you before now don't mean as much to you and you don't really feel like you need to pursue that. And, but yet, where are we going in the future? What are we pursuing? So you get end up in this space that's called a liminal space. It's a limited space. And in that space, it, it's where fear can really start getting in because you don't know where are we going? Where are we going? We're not going back to where we've been. So now where are we going? Where's our life going? How's our, what's this all going to look like next year? What's our, you know, what's our world going to be like? What's it going to be like with the politics? What's it going to be like financially? I mean, you have all kinds of, and you know, if you're on D Facebook much, you know that they, they just constantly are hammering you with stuff about, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be terrible. And then you got others who say, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And, you, you know, so it's very, very, crazy and it's the same on Twitter and it's the same on Instagram and it's the same everywhere is just that and what's happening is and I'm not saying that God has caused any of this this is not God but in the middle of it what's happening is God's people are trying to sort out where are we going and what are we doing there's a lot of churches right now aren't sure about what they're going to do a lot of them are going to close down and not open back up they've already 
made that clear. Some of them are only going to do online. Um, some very big churches have actually said that they will not be back until late January. Um, there's just a lot of confusion and concern and fear that still exists. You're blessed to be in a church like this because, not that those churches aren't blessed either, but, but because this is a faith, we preach faith and we combat fear. We believe faith over fear. I mean, absolutely. So um, you say, well, what if you make a mistake? Then we made a mistake and we'll pick up and go from there. But, but uh, you never learn anything unless you try, right? So this liminal space, what happens is, and, and I'm going to give you another psychology term, and like I said, it, I, I'm not using these because they're psychology terms, and I think you should think about psychology or psychiatry, but because they're biblical. One's called cognitive dissonance, and this is what people really are struggling with. Cognitive dissonance is what you know or what you believe is in conflict with what you're living. And so in psychology, when they teach that, they say that, you know, you're, you're basically in a place where you're living a life that isn't the life you think you should be living. And so you feel in bondage. All right. And so cognitive dissonance is then what, what you believe internally is not showing up on the outside. And so you're living in a conflict. All right. So it's like a Christian who believes that they're a Christian and believes the things about God but their whole lifestyle is living in conflict to that Christianity. And so they're, you know, they're practicing sin. They're living in sin. They're, they're you know, they, everything that they believe, they're not living it in their life. So they're in a conflict. And the, let me tell you something. The enemy, your adversary, wants you in conflict. Because when you're in conflict, what happens to you is, is that you cease to grow. Conflict does not create growth. Conflict does not create growth. And so what ends up happening is, is, is that it, and I'll show you that here in just a few minutes, that it literally will choke your life. Conflict will choke your life eventually. If, if what's going on around you is not matching up with what you believe, it can create conflict. Jesus, or excuse me, James talked about it. You've heard this. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Why? Because what happens is that we're, we, we have something we believe inside and something that we know outside, and because what we believe and what we know is not the same, if our faith is not bridging that gap for us, then what happens is, is that we stop being productive. That's deep, isn't it? Maybe too deep for an 830 crowd, but... We'll see how the 1030 does with it. They'll have had more coffee. They'll have had more coffee, I know, and energy drinks, so there'll be much more. All right, Isaiah 43. <laughs> so when we talked about this last week, and I really believe this is the, the word of the Lord, and look, life may not look this way right now. These guys were in Babylon when God gave this word to them. They're in captivity. And uh, and uh, so God's telling them in verse 15, he says, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel. I am your king. And so we talked about the five declarations out of this passage, these passages. One, that God says, I've got this. I, I'm the creator. I'm okay. It's all right. I'm not worried. God's not worried. He's not nervous. He's not having anxiety. He's not worried about anything. 
So he said, look, I've been, he said, I've got this. Number two, we talked about in verse uh, 16, he says, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse and the army and the power, they shall lie down together and they shall not rise. They are extinguished. They shall be quenched like a wick. So what he's saying is, look, first, I've got this. Two, I've done this before, so I know what this is like. And then three, I'm going to, I'm going to do this again. You know, how important is it when you're in a situation? I, I know for me it's very, very important that I don't know what I'm doing to have somebody with me that does know what they're doing. What a huge difference it makes in the, you know, in the crazy situation. I'm glad when I started learning to drive a car that I had somebody with me to teach me how to do it and I wasn't just running over everything to try to figure out how to do it on my own. I had an instructor, a guide, somebody to help me. I'm glad I had my parents in my life to help me through some difficult places and that I was going through in my younger years. I'm glad for the coaches that have been there. I had never been there, but they had been there so they could help me get through those difficulties. And so, the, 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 um, you know, I, I remember when I started pastoring, you know, uh, uh, there, I wasn't connected to very many pastors back in those days Back in the early 80s, people just weren't that connected. Uh, first of all, every Pentecostal charismatic church was considered weird and strange, and so nobody wanted anything to do with them, none of the other denominational churches. And uh, so we, we were just kind of like on our own. And there weren't, they weren't everywhere. Now they're everywhere. You know, it used to be like you had some assemblies of God, you had a few independents, but now you've got them all over the place. So there's a lot more connection today than there used to be. But back then, man, I didn't know what I was doing. I was calling John Osteen's ministry in Houston, Texas for advice. The first funeral I did ever in my whole life, the first funeral I ever did, I had nobody to call to talk about how to do this, what should I do, what should I read, what should I, what should I say. And it was for an 18-year-old kid that shot himself in the head because him and his girlfriend got in an argument. And I had to do his funeral. I had to be at the hospital with the family and be with them while this kid was dying and be in the room with them. I'd never been in anything like that, you know, and I, I faked it till I made it. But, you know, it's how many of you know what that's like? Man, I just act like I knew what I was doing. And people usually don't know if you just keep pushing through. But but man, it was I mean, I went home and cried. My wife met me at the door and I fell apart because that just, I didn't know what I was doing. I would have loved to have been with a pastor who had been through this 10, 20 times before and could say, okay, here's what you say, here's what you don't say. So to me, having somebody with you that has been there before is gigantic. Well, that's what God's saying to the Israelites here. He said, look, I know this is what you're dealing with, but look, I'm not nervous about it. I'm not worried about it. I've been here before and I'm about to do again what I did before. So I'm gonna get you guys out of this. Then he goes on and he says, look, don't think about the remember the former things, nor consider the things of old, because I'm going to do a new thing. Behold, the word behold here in the Hebrew language means stand in awe and be amazed. Behold means stand in awe and be amazed. So what God's saying is, look, you might be in bondage right now. But just stand in awe and be amazed because I'm about to do something new. 
And it's interesting as you look at this passage because he says uh, in the previous verse, he makes two statements there. And you could miss it if you didn't really dig into this. He said, um, look, don't remember the former things nor consider the things of old. So he said two things there. He said, don't remember, get that out of your thinking and don't consider the things of old. And it's interesting, you didn't do this study on your own. But if you look up the word old there, in, in, and we tend to think of ancient, and it is used in that way, but the word old here in the Hebrew is used for the word east. It means comes what's eastern, what's come out of the east. And so what he's saying to them, because if you think about how bad the captivity happened, here's, here's Israel, and over here to the east, guess who's over here? Babylon. So what he's saying is, look, don't be thinking about what ha what's going on in the East here and how great they are, you just start thinking about how great I am. Start, stop remembering the former things. Stop thinking about the power of the Babylonian army. I can raise up and tear down. How many of you believe that God can raise up and tear down? He took the mightiest of kings under, when I mean the mightiest of kings that looked like it was an invincible king and he, he caused him to basically lose his mind. And said, until you repent, you're going to go out and eat grass like a cow and live in the field and grow long hair and your nails are going to. He said, you're not going. He said, you're not going to experience any of the kingdom that you have. Because, see, God can raise up. God can tear down. Behold, stand in awe and be amazed and be amazed because I am going to do a new I'm going to do a new thing. So the fourth declaration here is the new thing, the new thing that God's going to do. And so we talked about last week about new roads and new rivers. If you want to use a different uh, idea with that, think about this. Uh, roads are, via, are pathways that we use to get to destinations. So we could say that roads are new vision. Rivers always flow down. They always do. So they don't flow up, they flow down. So they always go to the lowest point. So rivers flow down with things. So we could say new vision, new provision. New vision, new provision. So what God gives us is new roads. He's saying, look, I'm going to give you a new road. Now, where's the road going to be? Well, the road's probably not going to be where you think it should be. The road's going to be through some wilderness situation which you're, a lot of people are in right now. See, I, th I wonder what we're looking for right now. What are we as a believer looking for right now? Are we looking for a politician to save us? Are we looking for the, the government as a whole to save us? Are we looking for a leader, a religious leader to save us? Are we looking, what are we looking for? Are we looking for some kind of bailout? What do, what do we want to have happen? What's going to move us I don't think, I, you know, they, they, you hear a lot about this. With this reset that's happened in people's lives, the recalibration, I don't know what normal is anymore. What is normal anymore? Normal's been turned upside down for all of us, right? Everybody. The way we look at things, the way we deal with things. And, and look, I, I, a lot of it needed to be, look, we needed all those gods to fall to the ground. The sports god, it needs to die. The entertainment God, it needs to die. Since when do we let celebrities tell us about our political views for crying out loud? What do they know? They barely can stay married and keep their britches on. Or skirt or whatever. 
Huh? We don't need them. We don't need, we don't need entertainment. We don't need sports. All that stuff has taken way too, took way, 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 way too big uh, a part of believers' lives. And so all that's going to crumble. It's not done yet. I don't think it's finished. I think all that's going to continue to crumble because it's losing funding big time. I mean, it just continues to lose funding. And when the money's gone, the idol dies. It has no power. Nobody cares anymore. So God's going to give us new roads and new rivers, new vision, new provision. Say that with me. New vision, new provision. All right. So it's going to what that means is God's going to help you see something that you don't see right now. So I want you to write down these words, if you would, if you're keeping notes today. I want you to write down the word information. I want you to write down the word inspiration. I want you to write down the word application. And then I want you to write down the word revelation. And then I want you to write down the word transformation. I'll go through them again. I know I talk fast. Information. Inspiration. Application, revelation, transformation, transformation, okay? So information is what we, what we are, gather. It's things that we hear, things that we are, are drawing from. Wrong information is going to create wrong results and wrong output. So I want you to look at Mark chapter 4 with me. Mark 4. And uh, I want to I go through, uh, in the time that we have this morning, we're going to be wrapping up here pretty quick, Mark chapter 4. And uh, where Jesus is telling the parable of the sower. Now, this parable of the sower is the key to understanding our faith, how our faith works. Jesus said, if you don't understand this one, you won't get anything else I'm trying to do. So you've got to understand the parable of the sower and what went out, what he did. And you know how he went out, sowed on different grounds. That's, everybody's familiar with that. So um, as he sows, some goes on hard ground, some goes on rocky ground, stony ground. Some of it goes among the thorns. Some of it goes on good ground. The stuff on the good ground produces. The stuff on the thorns chokes out. It grows, but it chokes out. And then the stuff that's on the rocks, it, uh, it, it grows quick, but it has no root and it dies. And the stuff on the hard ground, the birds devour. Does everybody remember all of this? So this is just by way of review. Now, Jesus, when he begins to explain to them about this, he says, look, what's happening here is, he says, you've got to understand this parable, verse 13. How then will you understand all the parables, all my teachings, if you don't understand this one? The sower is sowing the word. So he's talking about the word of God, that the word that comes from God, the, the information of God, if you will, okay? The information of God. So that information, it tells us about who we are, what we have, and what we can do. That information reveals who God is. It shows us, you know, Jesus came. Not, Jesus came, and according to John chapter 1, he brought the Father out in the open so everybody could see what he really looked like. Jesus was the Father personified here on earth uh, so that we could see the nature and characteristic of the Father. So he says, look, the sower sows the word, and then he goes on and talks about the different seeds. Now, I'll let you read that later because I want to read this to you out of the Amplified Version um, because I think this will really, this will really bless you and, and kind of speak to your heart about what's going on here. 
So he says uh, in the Amplified Version in verse 15, the ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. Verse 16, and in the same way, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive it and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, so they endure for a little while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended. So here's, here's what we want to understand from this. Outside experiences cause the word in their lives to be offended. And what offended means is, is that what they were hoping, what they were believing for, this is cognitive dissonance, was not happening so now they're mad because it didn't turn out. We've got a lot of people mad in the church right now. If things don't go the way that we want it to go, we're going to be mad. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that's right or that's wrong. I'm just saying that, look, does that change your faith? Does it change how you believe? And does it change your view of God when things don't work out the right way? Because I'm going to tell you what, I've got a litany list of things that didn't work out the way I thought they should have worked out. Does anybody else have a list like that? I got all kinds of stuff. He said, so they immediately are offended and some become displeased, indignant, and resentful. And they stumble and they fall away because of it. And the ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. And the cares and anxieties of the world and distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour of deceitfulness of riches and the craving uh, and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. So it was growing, but all of a sudden, see, if you don't watch out, this is what the news is going to do to you right here. That's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to choke the word in your life. You're going to get so caught up in what's going on around you that you're going to stop producing because that, that the cares. The, he said it right there. Look, these things, the anxieties and cares. Let me ask you a question. Do you think, now I'm just talking about Christians right now. Do you think during all of the stuff that's gone on, the pandemic, the politics, all this crazy stuff that's happened in the world, that anxiety has increased among Christians or anxiety has gone down among Christians? I'm going to tell you it's increased. And the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and it chokes and it suffocates the word of God and it becomes fruitless. So it stops growing. No, no more fruit. And those sown on good, good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word, receive and accept and welcome it and bear fruit, some 30. And then he goes on and he says, all right, so here's the deal. This is what has to happen. Go down to verse 24. So he said to them, be careful what you are hearing, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. You can't stop everything you're hearing. You're going to hear stuff all to the end of the year. Next year, you're going to keep hearing stuff. But are you giving thought and study to it? If you give thought and study to the truth you hear, it'll be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you here. So here, here's, here's what I'm going to wrap up with this morning. In your growth, it all starts with information. 
the right information, okay? If you take that information and you allow the Holy Spirit to inspire it, and I'm not talking about a preacher inspire it to you, I'm talking about inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, you, those of you that read the Bible with me, you do know there's, you feel the difference between what you read inspired you and what you read you just read. Right? Usually like in Leviticus, right? I mean, my wife's like every year, it's just, oh, we're reading Leviticus, right? Oh, we're in Numbers, oh, oh Numbers, so, you know, so it's just, she's, so all that is is information. No, it's not bad information, it's just information. But if there is something in that that the Holy Spirit inspires, all right, in your life, then what happens is, is that you're now faced with a choice. Out of inspiration, the choice that we have to make is, can we make it, will we make application of it? Okay, will we apply it? Just because you get inspired doesn't mean you apply it. Because the Bible even tells you, you, can have, you say you have faith, but if you have no works, then your faith is dead. So you have just dead inspiration. You're inspired, but you're not doing anything any different than you've always done. Look at your neighbor and say, man, he's really preaching to you today. Yeah. Now, what happens next as we make application of the truth, this is where we enter into the, to an incredible, we're just one step away from transformation. And that is, that's when revelation comes. So what we want, so I know for a lot of Christians, especially when, we, when the word of faith churches, when we first started, this is kind of, you know, that you got to have a revelation. And you'll never get to a revelation until you're first getting the right information. You'll never get the right, that information won't do anything until there's an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But that won't produce anything until you make application. I mean, we could preach about tithing until we're blue in the face and you can cry and weep and, oh, I'm not tithing and I'm not giving offerings and I'm not doing. But it's not until, look, it's not until you make application of it, until you do it, that it will move into this next realm, which is the realm of Revelation. What happens in Revelation? Things that are hidden now become clear. You see God in a whole new way. You understand God in a whole new way. It's what I talked about last week, and we're going to have to wrap up this morning because we've got a whole new crew coming in. But look, it's what happens that we go from just believing something to knowing something. Believing something to knowing it. See, like, I don't just believe I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, man. I have no doubt about it. You say, well, what if you sin? Well, who says I don't? No, I'm not telling you what they are, but I've been known to. <laughs> make a mistake here and there, yes. <laughs> and then get angry or try to defend it. Can you, does everybody understand what I'm saying? So. You know, I'm not talking about him running, chasing women or out getting drunk or doing drugs or whatever. No, I'm not doing any of that, but, but, but I, there are other things. I've gossiped before. Gossip is a sin. Come on, it's a sin. Now, <laughs> yeah, so what, what we have to do, fear is a sin. It's not right to be afraid. 
Especially when God said, fear not. Fear thou not. Fear thou not. How many times you got to say it? Be, don't be afraid. Faith over fear. Don't be afraid. So, so here's, here's what happens. When we make application, when we apply the truth to our lives and we begin to do it, I'll give you a great, uh, gosh, I, I really do have to stop, but Joshua 1.8. Uh, so stop enjoying this so much and I'll, I'll be able to quit. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law, this is what he told Joshua was the key to success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, okay? Now, right now, it's just information. It shall not depart from your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night. Now it's getting to the level of inspiration. Because you know there's more there than just information. God's behind this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll meditate in it day and night. What's the next line? That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. There's your application. Now watch this last part. Then, he says, then you'll be prosperous and have good success. Because why? Because it's revelation. Now you know God that way. Now you know the... Now you've been there and you've done that. Now you have experienced it. What was hidden now is open. Just because you have information doesn't mean it's revelation. Just because you have information doesn't mean you're transformed. Transformation is where we want to get to. Well, I absolutely believe in transformation. That God has a plan for my life and your life. That God has a place he wants us to be in. That God wants to take us from where we are now, even though he sees all our imperfections in our life and move us into a place of perfection. Absolutely. He wants to move us there. That he wants us to be solid. He wants us to be mind of Christ. He wants us to be filled with the spirit. That he wants us to walk on this earth doing the ministry that he called us to do, every one of us to do. To cast out devils and lay hands on the sick and to... To, to not be afraid of whatever we're eating or whatever comes across our path, to, to live our lives healing other people that are broken and destitute and sick and, and all of that talked about in Mark chapter 16. So God's got a plan for your life. He's got a vision. And God's got provision. And when you step into God's vision then you will experience God's provision. I want you just as we wrap up, he didn't say, I'm going to make rivers and then roads. He said, I'm going to make roads and then rivers. You got to get on the road before the river will start to flow. Information, inspiration, application, revelation. Here comes transformation. Here comes transformation. And we are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Let's all stand. Amen. Come on up, Charlie. Do you have some, something you wanted to do? Um, let's pray, and uh, then we're going to open up for prayer. And uh, Hallelujah. Thank you for being here this morning. It encourages me. You know, we never know starting something new who is going to be here. So uh, sometimes you just being here has been a tremendous and made me a lot more long-winded than I meant to be. So thank you. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Father, thank you for your word today. 
Lord God, I pray, Lord, in our lives that we don't let the word get choked. Lord, that we don't let the stuff going on around us begin to tear out what's inside us. Father, that we're not in a place of cognitive dissonance in, a, in the middle of a liminal space, Lord God, and going, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how to act, Lord. I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you, um, that you by your Holy Spirit, Lord, as we, make, as we make a determination, Lord God, to be inspired by your word and to do what you said to do, to not just be hearers, but doers of the word. I thank you, Father God, that as we do that, Lord, that we will enter into a place of what was hidden now is clear, that what we just believed now has become something we know. We know. And Lord God, that our lives are forever transformed and our world is forever transformed because of it. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Chuck? Thank you, Lord. That's awesome, Pastor. Thank you. Yeah, thank um, you. Prayer team, if you want to come on up, um, there's a few things the Lord wants to do. Um, information. There was